Ahoy! And welcome to the Sea Captain Way podcast with Phil Bender and Greg Patton, where we help listeners navigate the uncharted waters, personal and professional growth. The Sea Captain Way is about energizing top performers to take on risks and push beyond their comfort zone to pursue life-changing goals and achieve peak performance. We're going to help you build your vision by showing you how to break free of boundaries that are holding you back. All right, Phil. So today we're excited to welcome Alan Harlem to the Sea Captain Way podcast. Alan is the founder of Alan Harlem Coaching, and his practice is built on a foundation of experiences ranging from teaching at Brown University, leading a social enterprise, and working for more than 25 years as an entrepreneurial business leader. Alan's coaching is based on a collaborative process that leads to learning, growth, and change. Together with his clients, he commits to the goals they set for themselves and makes an equal commitment to promote equity and justice in their communities. Yeah, this is a real treat, Greg. Um, Alan and I are uh, have become uh, fast friends and, and actually met during our executive coaching program. And so uh, much like Chris George, who's been on a few podcasts ago, Alan and I met during that and just had, I felt we're almost kindred spirits in a way. We, uh, mm-hmm. we just connected. We see things uh, when it comes to mission and purpose very clearly the same. And so uh, this is really exciting. He's also a Rhode Islander like uh, me at this point. And, uh, nice. and so we've opportunities to spend some time. Um, Alan, great, great to have you here and really excited about what you can offer us today. Oh, Phil, Greg, thanks so much for welcoming me. The comment you made about kindred spirits is so true. I think we both have had careers before coaching that sort of guided us to just wanting to give back to others what we had, what we had been given, what we had learned, and use that to support others who are on their own journeys, maybe similar journeys or maybe different journeys. And when I met you, I was so impressed by the purposefulness of this new career that you had had, you know, becoming a coach and working with young leaders who really had so much to gain from your experience, but also you had so much respect for their own learning journey and bringing your coaching self to it. I first learned about coaching when I was at Brown University. I led the social innovation work. And through that work over a over a decade, I supported dozens of entrepreneurial founders. Mm-hmm. And in that work, I kind of realized I was a natural teacher. And by that, I mean, I focused on questions, which left my students feeling empowered to find their own solutions. Mm-hmm. I found that I think they felt that really left them as an entrepreneur to find their own path and then to come back to me when they sort of wanted some guidance or a sounding board. But that was a perfect preparation for coaching. I think what distinguished me at, at Brown and what led me to coaching is the mantra of coaching, which taught us, that taught us on our very first day, that a coach hold, has to hold the belief that their client is creative, they're resourceful, and they're whole. We're not there to fix That's anything. Right. We are That's there to right. recognize their amazingness and help them find it and bring it out. Mm-hmm. So perfectly said. Yeah, that's awesome. I know Phil really seems to enjoy watching other people succeed, which is not uh, not common. But 
Um, I know it, he just found out yesterday somebody that he had coached and mentored made it to a managing partner position in the organization. Oh, that's so cool. Top of the you know mountaintop. So that's awesome. So Alan, based on some of our previous conversations, I understand a key specialty of your coaching practice involves focusing on social justice and helping clients who are working to improve equity in their communities. Why is it important to you to engage with clients who share your commitment to social justice? I think to answer that, Greg, I need to back up and tell you a little bit about myself and maybe my family history, because the question that you're asking is really a values question. And I think, you know, in, in our coach training, we were taught that if you're not talking about values, there are other things. But if if values isn't part of what you're talking about, you are not, you're probably not coaching. And so yeah. to know me, I think there are two things you want to know about me that both come from the way I was raised and, and mm-hmm. sort of my reflections on my own experience. The first is that in my faith, one of the highest orders or one of the highest commandments in the Jewish faith is this idea of tikkun alam. It means repair the world. And I saw that in all around in my family. And I'm just going to tell a brief story about my grandfather. Um, mm-hmm. And this story happened with outside of my view. I was sitting in my office at the time I was, I was working at a family business and I was sitting in my office and there was a knock on the door and, and the man asked me, is Mr. Schuster here? And I said, no, um, I have a Mr. Schuster's an uncle and a Mr. Schuster is my grandfather. He said, it's probably your grandfather. Is he alive? I said, no, he's been gone a long time. He said, do you have a minute? I'd love to tell you a story about your grandfather. Cool. And he comes in the door and he sits down and, and I'll tell a very short version of the story, but in the depression, his father, this man's father was a battery recycler, a battery dealer. So he went around in his truck, he picked up batteries and he took them apart and he sent them off to be recycled. And uh, one night he went out to his truck and it was stolen and he was, he, he didn't have his truck anymore which basically meant that he didn't have a business. He did not have a way to go out and collect batteries. And he was really distraught. It was the depression. And someone said, go find Mr. Schuster. They told him the name of the diner. He, they told him you can find him at 4.30 a.m. That's when he gets there for his uh, breakfast and coffee. And so the man went there and met my grandfather, a man he had never met. And he said, "You know, Mr. Schuster, I need help. My truck was stolen. My grandfather says, well, how much do you need for a new truck? Literally, like he just meets a guy in a diner. He says, how much Mm -hmm. do you need for a new truck? The guy says $600. My grandfather reached in his pocket. He takes six $100 bills. He hands it to the guy. And the guy says, do you want me to sign anything? And my grandfather said, why are you going to sign anything? Are you going to pay me back? He said, of course. He said, then what are you going to sign for it? He said, good luck. I hope you, I hope you're okay. And when you have the money, you'll pay me back. Wow. It was an act of selfless generosity. My grandfather never wanted money back. He wanted to help people. And he, and there's story after story after story like that about my grandfather. The other value that I want to tell you about is Ubuntu. Okay. Ubuntu is this is an African concept that talks about the interconnectedness that we all are part of. And it basically says that your destiny is bound up in my destiny mm-hmm. and that we have a shared destiny. And during the summer of 2020, 
after, you know, in the middle of the racial reckoning that our country went through after the murder of George Floyd and so many others. But in the middle of all that, I, like many people, said, gosh, there's this stuff that's happening around me that is actually part of my experience. And a lot of people said, I really want to be part of making the world better and making it more equitable and making it more just. And I was one of those people. Mm -hmm. And it was at the time that I was starting my coaching business. So this idea of repairing the world, this idea that we are all connected made the racial reckoning feel like it was my racial reckoning and helped me think about my own purpose and where I belonged and what my coaching had to do. And so I had this deep well of experience from coaching entrepreneurs at Brown. Mm -hmm. I realized, and what I learned from them was about their own lives, their own experiences, and their own aspiration for better in their own yep. life or experience or in their own community. And my role as coach meant that I got to get a front row seat to that work and to observe it, to learn about it, and to figure out what I could contribute. And so when I started my coaching business, I needed to take all those pieces and put them together. Mm -hmm. uh, so my commitment to repair the world, my sense of interconnectedness, and my, my idea that entrepreneurs who were trying to improve their community were the entrepreneurs that I felt like I had the most to contribute to. Wow. So it sounds like it's, it's hardwired into your DNA, almost part of it. Um, it certainly so, feels yeah. that way. It, yeah. it certainly feels that way. Well, the first yeah. time I, I had heard about that word, your, uh, an article on your website about Ubuntu, and I saw a Netflix documentary about the, the Boston Celtics. And they had, um, I guess, in their championship run in 2008, that was a central part of the mindset of the team. I guess they had gone, had to, you know, finished last the year before and were on a drought post bird. And um, Doc Rivers introduced the concept. I think they said he told the rookies about it first, asked them to study. And then it just became part of their philosophies. Like if you want to shoot every time you get the ball, if this is the wrong team, yeah. you know, uh, that um, we get better as a team when your teammates get better. So I thought that was really cool. And well, cool we that could you certainly use it. some Ubuntu in game six tonight. <laughs> I, I was going to say, Greg, you could not have picked a better story to tell Alan Harlem. Oh, okay. Rhode Islander. That's <laughs> okay. for sure. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, cool. So, Alan, you're the founding director of the Social Innovation Initiative at Brown University's Swearer Center, and there's a pioneering program that supports student entrepreneurs with curriculum and technical skills, funding, um, mentorship through all stages of the, the startup journey. Why did you decide to pioneer a program that focuses on student startup ventures designed to address social problems? Entrepreneurs go where the money is. You know, they. They just know that they will be successful when they're solving a problem that people are trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And at Brown, that was really easy. Brown has a nickname as the social Ivy. And so the entrepreneurial activity that was happening at Brown was really oriented more than at other universities towards real problems in real communities. And so 
where a lot of entrepreneurship is focused on how do we make the most money? The entrepreneurship at Brown was how can we make the biggest difference? So when I was hired, I was actually hired by another entrepreneurial leader, a, a guy named Roger Nozaki, who saw around him just generations of leaders that came out of Brown who had started organizations in Rhode Island and nationally and internationally that were focused on social problems. And when he talked to them, he heard that not only did Brown do nothing to help them, they actively tried to get in the way and stop them. And so Roger, he's the guy who hired me. Roger was running the Swear Center for Public Service and Community Engagement. And so when he created that job and invited me to uh, join, he basically said, look, there are entrepreneurs all over this campus that we don't know. Go find them and go help them. And it was just really as simple as that. There was a huge demand that he learned about from the entrepreneurs who had already found success on their own and mm -hmm. with great difficulty. Mm -hmm. And what he, what he saw was an opportunity to just step into the middle of the demand and offer the right product at the right time. And I was just lucky enough to be the, the person that he hired to do that. Cool. That's terrific. So, uh, Alan, at Sea Captain Coaching, we devote a significant amount of time to helping our clients master various networking, prospecting techniques to connect with new clients and those who can influence the outcome of business goals and objectives. You mentioned that you have had the opportunity to help students who initially might be a bit tentative about starting to network to begin building new relationships to support their exploration of post-graduation plans. What are some of the concerns you hear about that that are preventing these students from engaging in this important activity that will have a crucial impact on their futures? Oh, man, that's such a great question. And it's one that I've, I've worked with so many young people to help them get over this hurdle that anybody who spent time in business understands is absolutely essential to any kind of success. And when I thought about, when I think about this, I think about really two things. One of them is the idea, well, the, the obstacles that you're asking me about. The first is that networking is somehow about asking people to help you. And yeah. I, I think that was that is probably the biggest obstacle. And there's two reasons for that with the young people. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, I've seen this with older people that I coach now in very similar ways. The first is that it's just asking for help. And I don't, I don't feel like I don't want to go out with my hand out mm -hmm. asking people to do things for me without being able to reciprocate. The other is cultural. And so um, a lot of the people that I was coaching come from other cultures, other cultures in the U.S. Maybe they come from, they have an identity that maybe uh, makes them feel like they don't belong, or maybe they're coming from another country and they're like, I don't know how, how things work in your country, but <laughs> in my country, <laughs> like if you this. ask for help, you're basically showing weakness. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the reframe for me, has always been moving from transactional to relational. 
getting away from the idea that I am here asking you for help, mm-hmm. but rather going into that relationship with my with with as much preparation as I can, so that I am thinking about how can I be the most efficient about asking for your help, but mm-hmm. also making sure that I am learning about you in the ways that might lead to an idea that I could contribute back to you. Mm-hmm. So yeah. really, be, because it's when you're doing that, when you're asking good questions, when you're not wasting somebody's time, you're actually valuing the relationship. Yeah, It's when you do that, that you're investing in that relationship, that you get away from this transactional nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the other is, and, and the other, <laughs> the other piece is be gracious and grateful, right? And a lot of that just has to do with sharing your success when you have it. So you open talking about one of your clients being named a managing partner. The fact that that person shared it with you allows you to share their success when they have it. And, mm, and right. that that is a lesson that I've taught many, many times, which is maybe you're not actually going to help me, but you're going to contribute to my sense of satisfaction and self-worth by helping me know that what I did was helping you or helpful to you, that I was part of your success. Mm -hmm. And those are some of the techniques that I've used to help people get over the hump. So yeah, it's kind of a follow-on to to Phil's question, just to put a finer point on it. I was looking at your web, the Pie of Life website, a lot of great stuff there to look at. And you had an article that said, the world will help you if you ask the right way. Can you expand on that a little bit? I thought that was an interesting way to put it. Yeah. So I think there are two things. The first is what I already talked about, which is making sure you're focusing on relationship building when you're asking advice and making sure that you're giving the person that you're asking advice what they need. Mm -hmm. The other is, and and this is what I was writing about in in that blog, is you've got to start the process by knowing yourself. Because if you don't know yourself when you're asking for help, you're asking people to do work that is impossible for them to contribute to. Mm -hmm. And so that no one of the things that i did with students a lot is helping them know themselves so that when they're standing in front of a rack of clothing they know what they're going to want mm-hmm. and so that is a deeply reflective experience that asks them to think about their values it mm-hmm. asks them to think about what they can what they're best at what are their strengths it asks them to think about what actually do they love to do? And it asks them, where do I belong? Like, what does the world need for me? And if you bring all those pieces together, then when you're asking for help, you're asking for help that is custom fit for you as a, as a person, for you as a human being. It's not just like advice that I could give to anybody, but it's actually helping the person I'm asking for help know me better because I know myself. Yeah. And, and that's so critical. And just to summarize, uh, put a bow on this one. So much of what we teach is around this element of, of gratitude. In fact, in my, in my uh, work with my advisor clients and sales clients, we talk about gratitude, which are relationship-based 
visits where we discuss three things. And the first one is, is our vision for the future and how it will affect them. Number two, we share uh, express gratitude and connection. And then the last one is now about the ask, which is, um, I want to build my firm or I want to build my organization. And I'd like five people that I add to be just like you, have the same character traits. I want to replicate you because core values transfers. I'm more apt to do business with people who share the same core values because I work with you. And in fact, interestingly enough, if you want to add a little more on there, you see the world the same way I do. Sure. And so I'm going to make all these different connections at a deeper level. And then the last piece I'll share real quick is how many times when you get a referral or when you get a referral from someone, do you go back to the nominator at the end and say, and tell them how it went? Sure. You want to keep that pipeline open forever? Those are some of the areas that we work on. It's interesting to hear you share all these different themes in uh, in your last comments. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. Yeah, I love what you said about what does the world need from you. That's a very cool perspective to have in life. I remember reading an article by Tina Fey was uh, talking, uh, helping young improv actors. And she said, to be a good improv actor, you don't go into a scene you know, when you feel like it or when you think, oh, I've got something funny to say, I'm going to, he said, you enter when the, when they need you, right. When you're going to help it along. I'm like, wow, that's a, a selfless philosophy. Cool. Well, yeah. and, and, and I think that's what attracted me to Phil at the beginning was that when he, when he was thinking about this next chapter of creating Sea captain coaching, mm-hmm. that what he was really thinking about was what does the world need from me? Yeah. They need a roadmap that they can buy into that will lead them to the goals that they have for themselves and their leadership. And that's what I think is really remarkable. And that's why I, I characterized Phil at the beginning as such a purposeful leader and someone that I really related to myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. That's just how I wrote it. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's still hard for me to take a compliment, but I appreciate it, Alan. And, 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 Yes, that is exactly. This is very mission-driven work, purposeful work. And when, boy, when you get clear in that, you are a powerful, powerful person for good. Yeah. So let me, can can I do a follow-on there? So Alan, I know you're you're saying that, uh, you know, core tenet of your coaching practice is getting your clients to understand the importance of living life with intention and authenticity and, and purpose. Can you expand on why these are such important touchstones in your coaching programs and client relationships? <laughs> I think too many of us have spent too much of our lives living other people's stories. And I saw that, especially with young people going to college, where the most popular major you know, um, path when students entered were being a doctor or a software engineer at Brown. And And Mm -hmm. why? Because those were very concrete pathways towards good careers. That's what they thought was expected of them. And I don't know the statistics, but the highest dropout rate was among engineers, where they had no idea why they wanted to be a software engineer. They didn't have any idea what what was involved with them, 
So they were living somebody else's idea of what success was. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of what I learned by watching young people make life path decisions is that you need to get to know yourself. Because if mm-hmm. not, Howard Thurman gave this speech at Spelman College in 1980 um, that he titled The Genuine. And, and he's basically saying, get to know the sound of your own genuine. And if you don't, you will just be a puppet at the end of somebody else's strings. And so oh, if you don't so figure good. out who you are, where you belong, and what, you, what the world needs for you, that you will just be a puppet on the end of somebody else's strings. And that's a very negative message. But mm-hmm. the positive message is imagine what you could accomplish if you are truly oriented towards what you, what, what you value, what makes you happy, what you're good at, and what the world needs from you. Yeah. So good, Alan. Wow. I, I agree, man. That was, that was a mic drop there. You're a board member of Eye to Eye, which is an organization whose mission is to improve educational experiences and outcomes for students who learn differently. Boy, no one can appreciate this more than me. This includes those with learning disabilities, ADD, ADHD, and other challenges related to learning. What was the inspiration for you to become a board member for this uh, great organization? Initially, it was its founder, who was a Brown alum and who was a guest speaker in my class. And there was something about the vulnerability he brought to the way he presented himself to the class that made me want to go out to coffee with him and get to know him better. His name Mm -hmm. is Dave Flynn. And what I learned about, you know, a lot of times when we think about disability, our heart goes to sympathy. And what I saw with Dave was that he wanted to change that completely because when we approach people who have a disability with sympathy, we're asking them how we can help them. When we approach disability with the idea that it is just one dimension of your identity and that there are many strengths associated with that disability, things that you can do that other people can't do, then it's about helping you help yourself. It's actually very coach-like in the way that they Mm -hmm. approach it. It's very much a strength-based approach. And that reframing of disability to unique ability was something that, uh, that, that just told me that there was something there that was very special. It took about three or four years of getting to know Dave and getting to know the organization before he invited me to one of their events. And they're a mentoring organ, or historically they've been a mentoring organization where they take high school and college students who have had a journey of discovery to figure out how to turn their ability, their disability into a part of their identity rather than something they can't do. And they pair them with middle schoolers who have usually just discovered or gotten a diagnosis of their ability. And so this is a training institute that happens every summer called the Organizing Institute, where they take about 150 young people and they run them through a training curriculum around leadership, community um, campus organizing, because they're going to run a chapter. Mm-hmm. And they teach them the curriculum and they teach them, how are you going to organize your chapter and how are you going to interact with these young people? And, you know, I was just tagging along with Dave and 
what was ama- what was life changing for me was when when we were run- you know he was kind of a celebrity so all the young people were like lining up they wanted to talk <laughs> to him because he's the founder of this this national organization and when they introduced themselves they introduced themselves hi i'm alan and i have adhd hi i'm alan and i have an executive processing disorder hi yeah. i'm alan and i have brown hair yeah. it is like no different than like the color yeah. of their hair because it was something you needed to know about them in order to interact with them and appreciate them as they fully are and they weren't like hiding it anywhere mm-hmm. they were putting it out as i have brown hair yeah and it yeah. was it was life changing to me actually view disability as identity that it's just part of who i am and i have embraced it and yeah sure it 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 sucks when i have to read or it sucks when i have to like concentrate for long periods of time like whatever their difficulty is that's associated with that diagnosis but that's just that's my disability my ability is that as a person with dyslexia i have heightened creative abilities that have been well documented that's um, right adhd people might have certain characteristics around their concentration but man when they concentrate they are laser focused so they just need to figure out how to self manage that they don't need to get rid of it they yeah. just need to figure out how to self manage it it was life changing to me because now when i see people with it first of all you don't see anybody with a learning disability unless they tell you mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. right and so i now want everybody in the world to feel proud of who they are mm-hmm. how they learn and what they can do rather mm-hmm. than sort of asking for sympathy which by the way they don't want cuz mm-hmm. that sympathy turns into stigma and, and that's you know that's just like a weight that holds them down rather than putting it in as mm-hmm. part of their identity that that helps propel them forward Wait. that that's Wait. awesome that that what do they call wearing it yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it yeah. reminded me uh there was a, a nike commercial years ago it was a group of guys it was like carl lewis and edwin moses these guys sitting in a circle and they introduced themselves he's like my name's michael and i'm fast and like, <laughs> my name's edwin and i'm fast i uh what went well and just to put a, a little touch on this when i was a kid I used to, you know, I'd ride in the car with my mom and I'd see these signs that said, do not pass. Okay. I used to say to my mom, mom, we can't go any further. (laughs) I'm not kidding. And it's because of how I see and how I process now I realize. And I still do that from time to time when I see certain things written a certain way, I'll look at them and I'll be like, pass with care. I'm like, oh, we're going to have to slow down. Yeah. And so it, it, People are wired differently. They learn differently. We spend a whole generation trying to fix people in this space instead of just embracing the gift. Right. And that, Alan, is what what I really loved about what you said there. So I guess, uh, Greg, we uh, we got to wrap this thing, don't we? Yeah, we're at time, Alan. Thanks so much. Wow, it was cool to hear your um, to get to talk to an academic and hear your you know perspective Views, yeah. as, an, as as an educator. So how do people learn more about working with you, um, you know, schedule an appointment to, um, you know, have you coach them or just, you know, have a conversation about how you might be able to help? I appreciate the opportunity. So I've got a website that is alan-harlem.com. 
Okay. Uh, it has a contact form that I will respond to. And But you could also just reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email, aharlam at gmail.com. And just let me know what I can do for you. And for about 25 years, I've had a universal open door policy for inbounds. And it it just has to do with my love of people and my belief that every time I respond, that I have the opportunity to learn something, meet someone new, um, whether that turns into a business opportunity for me is something that we can discover together. But mm-hmm. um, I, I've always done that and I hold it as one of the most secret, the, the most important secrets to my success is just getting to know people. So please reach out by any of those methods and I'd be happy to get to know you. Awesome. Well, it shows. And, uh, and it is one of the gifts uh, when you get to the coaching phase, not that you don't monetize things, but that you, it is very mission driven. And that has been clearly a piece with you since we've, well, since we've, uh, we've been together. So I look forward to our continued association. You are again, a tremendous uh, force for good and your perspective was outstanding today. So thanks again, my friend, and uh, we will talk to you on the other side very soon. (laughs) Appreciate it. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Alan. Good luck with your team tonight. Thanks for joining us for this edition of the Sea Captain Way podcast. If you found the conversation valuable, please like, share, and post a review on your favorite podcast app. To learn more about Sea Captain Coaching and how you can start taking advantage of our purpose-driven coaching guidance, visit us at seacaptaincoaching.com and get the Sea Captain view on navigating uncharted waters of growth. The link is in the show notes. You can also follow us at Sea Captain Coaching on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Wishing you fair winds and a following sea on your journey.